Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Feeling okay? Let me just uh, make this so I can. Yeah, so everybody can see that. Um, well, um, uh, this is us. This is us. This is what Arena Church is all about. We've been looking at over the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, I, I started off the uh, the, the, the uh, session with. Uh, talking about go and then uh, Christian uh, sorry Josh shared about um, oh, Christian came and shared about grow Josh shared about love then last week we saw Christian videos talking about serve and this morning I'm going to conclude about our world our world so Arena Church's purpose to go and grow to love and serve our world this is us this is what we are all about so if you're new here this morning I hope you'll take the time to just go on, visit our website, just check out the podcasts on the previous series, and it will explain uh, what makes us tick. What, 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 why we do what we do. Why are we here? What is our purpose? What is our passion? And what our vision is? So are you sitting comfortably? Are you ready to listen and engage? Okay, I was told many years ago when I first started uh, sharing the Word of God, always get to know the people you're sharing with. So I'm going to ask one or two questions this morning. Okay. And the first question I'm going to ask is, just give me a wave if you've ever heard of Harry Seacombe. Sir Harry Seacombe. Oh, more than I thought. Well, that's good. It shows you the demographic, though, of the, of the congregation for those under 30-odd. I've perhaps never heard of Sir Harry Seacombe and those who put their hands up obviously did. Now, Harry Seacombe was a, a, a Welsh comedian, an actor and singer. And in 1963, that's a long time ago, I was five. So in, in 1963, he released a song that made it into the charts. And Margaret, Sandy, you, you're going to be delighted because I'm going to sing that song for you. It goes... <coughs> It goes something like this. If I rule the world, every day would be the first day of spring. Every heart would have a new song to sing. And we'd sing of the joy every morning would bring. Yeah. Well, well you get the idea. And that song brings back many, many memories to me because I used to hear my dad singing that in the shower because my bedroom was right next to the bathroom. We lived in a little terraced house, you know, three up, three down. And, and every morning he'd, he'd sing that song. And I think, oh, dad, that sounds great. If only you could sing. But I want to ask you a question this morning, an important question, a serious question. What would you do if you ruled the world? Now, that's quite a... <laughs> A question to get your head around. What an awesome question. What, what an awesome responsibility. It, and it seems like a fanciful idea, doesn't it? Well, if I rule the world. Yet the Bible tells us, in the very first chapter of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 26, hopefully Chris might be able to get this up on screen. It says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may 
rule over the fish in the sea and birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, have dominion over it. Rule, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Wow. So once we rule the world. God told us to rule the world. And we had dominion over everything. But then something went wrong. And if you recall, when I started talking about uh, uh, the first session on Go, I mentioned that Adam was created outside the Garden of Eden. And that's why men very often have this call of the wild on their heart. That's why they like adventure. That's why they like doing daring stuff. And, and Eve was created in the garden, the garden of peace and place and order and beauty. So Genesis chapter 2, 15 and 17 says this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man. This is a command. This is God speaking direct to Adam. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So God had told Adam direct this instruction. It can't be any clearer. God can't make this any clearer to Adam. If you eat from that tree, you will surely die. So Adam understood. He had heard direct from God. That's chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. The very next verse, verse 18, it says this. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper for Eve. So Eve had not heard this commandment from God because she wasn't even created. Only seven short verses later, seven short verses later in chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals of the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Well, we know that God did say that because he said it to Adam in chapter 2, verse 17, before Eve was created. So now when Eve responds, she must be responding to what Adam had told her. She had not heard it direct from God, but it had been passed on by word of mouth from Adam. And I often wonder how Adam told this important information to Eve. Did Adam say, darling, sit down, look into my eyes. I've got something very, very important to tell you. Before you were created, God came to me and he said, do not, whatever you do, never, ever eat from that tree. So do you understand the importance of that, darling? We must never, ever eat from that tree or surely we'll die. Or did he do a man thing whilst he was gardening? Oh, Eve, um, we can't eat from that tree or else we will surely die. Because God said, I was, I was going to say, I'll, let, I'll leave that for you to make your own choice. But I can see one or two women nodding their head, yeah. So, so when the devil comes to Eve and asks, did God really say? All of a sudden doubt creeps in. All of a sudden trust in what Adam had told her is in doubt. And of course we know the story. We are robbed of our inheritance to rule. We are swindled out of our birthright to have dominion over this world. It is stolen from us. And when Eve eats the forbidden fruit and gives some to Adam, 
Duh, Adam, who knew that he shouldn't do it. But peer pressure, FOMO, fear of missing out, also eats. All of a sudden, we are thrown out of the Garden of Eden. And now we've got to live in this broken world. So let me ask you a question. Another question. Are you talking and listening to God direct? Do you read his living word every day for yourself? Or are you living on word of mouth of what somebody else has told you? Because if you only rely on what I say or what Josh says or what Joyce Meyer says or Bishop T.D. Jakes or Mark Batterson says on, on, on Google or YouTube or whatever TV channel, God channel, if that's all you're listening to, when, God, when the devil comes and says, did God really say... Did God say, by his stripes, you shall be healed? Well, that's what I heard Paul say on Sunday. Does that cut it? Is there strength there? Is there a depth there? Do you know that you know? Or are you just hoping that what somebody else has told you is true? It doesn't carry any weight. So all of a sudden, doubt enters your world, and you're not so sure. You're not then able to stand firm on his word. That's why it's so important to read the living word for yourself. Don't ever underestimate the power there is in this little book. The Bible brings life to our soul. So that's why we preach the word on a Sunday. It's to encourage you to go home, pick up the Bible and read what we've been talking about. That's why we we have small groups. So you can meet with people to help you read the word together. That's why we have Bible study night. To encourage you and assist you in digging deeper into his word. Because that, whenever the enemy, whatever the world throws at you, you can stand on the word and say, yes, I know what God has said. The circumstances surround me may be different. The circumstances surrounding me may be tough and difficult. But I know what the word says. And I'm standing firm on that word. And when the devil comes and says... Did God say? You can say with confidence, yes. And in fact, in James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourself first to God, resist the devil, and he shall flee. So jog on. When we've got that word in our life, well, although we live in a broken world, which will remain broken until Jesus returns to make it whole again, I believe we can still have an influence on our world if we keep plugged into God's word. In the book of Matthew, in the New Testament, chapter 24, I haven't got time to read it all this morning, it tells us that Jesus is sat on the Mount of Olives. And he's having a private conversation with the disciples about the end times, about what's going to happen at the end of the world. And he explains that there will be wars and rumours of wars, famines and earthquakes in various places. Some will come claiming to be the Messiah and deceive many, etc., etc. So he's having this conversation and in Matthew 24, he says this. Hopefully the words will, will come up. I, and just leave it up for a bit, Chris, because I just want to go into this in some detail. And he says this. And because, because lawlessness will abound, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So just bear with me in this. So because of the actions of an Adam and Eve, the world is plunged into chaos and the devil is currently running this world. Jesus here explains that lawlessness will abound. Now if you look at that word lawlessness, in the Greek it says anomia. Anomia. 
So instead of lawlessness, just place in anomia. And anomia means this. The Greek word for lawlessness is anomia. Basically means having a mindset where you have contempt for the law. It is a state of mind where you do not acknowledge any rules or conventions. It is a condition without law or being ignorant of it. In other words, you are saying, God, I no longer want your rule in my life. I am going to do what I want to do. I am going to live by my rules. So this lawlessness breaks out. Lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow cold. Who's the many that Jesus is talking about? Is he talking about the world out there? I don't think he is. Because when you look at the the word love, the love of many will grow cold. That word love is agape. Now, Josh, just two weeks ago, uh, told us about the different types of love. And let me just remind you, in English, we just have one word called love. But in the Greek, there are four. So if I say, I love you, darling, that's eros, that's sensual, passionate love. If I said, uh, I love you, Nathan, you wouldn't expect to have that same kind of passion. But, but if I said, I, I do love you, Nathan... But that's, that's, that's a, um, a, 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 a called storge, or describes a family love, affection between parents and children, brothers and sisters, and feeling a powerful emotion of deep friendship. We have a deep friendship. The love that King David had for Jonathan, Saul's son. But agape, we need to fully understand what this, this term defines, God's immeasurable, incomparable love for humankind. It is the divine love that only comes from God. Agape love is perfect, unconditional, sacrificial and pure. A love that is from God direct to us and our response back to God. This is a love that the world out there does not know anything about. If you work with colleagues who are not believers, they do not have this kind of love. This is a major difference between you and me and the rest of the world. The world does not yet understand, cannot grasp, cannot comprehend God's unconditional love. It is a mystery to them. And it will remain a mystery until we show them and display God's agape love. They don't get it. But it's also up to us to ensure that that agape love in our lives does not grow cold through lawlessness, through lawlessness, thinking that we know best, going our own way. So what's happening here, Jesus is saying, because lawlessness will abound, the love, the agape love will grow cold. When that agape love grows cold, something happens. We just wander away from God. We must remain firm and steadfast, trusting in God that no lawlessness breaks out in our lives. We must cherish that agape love, that love, that agape love, for God so agape the world that he gave his one and only son so that we should not perish but have eternal life. So if you understand, we now have to have the word in our hearts. We have to have that agape love, understand, fully understand what that agape love is, we can move out into our world. So question, what do you see here? For those who are listening on podcast, I've got a flip chart, and I've just put a little dot in the top 
left-hand corner. So what do you see there? Somebody shout out to me. A dot. Many of you will see a small insignificant dot on this whiteboard and yet miss the whole space that is there, that is full of potential, that is available. Sometimes we get bogged down by looking at the small and insignificant things in our lives. We miss out on the bigger picture. We miss out on the potential that there is by focusing on a small dot, a small event in our lives that has taken our focus, our time, our energy. Somebody may have said something to you uh, or did something to you that wasn't very nice. And all you can focus on now is what they said or what they did. And you miss out on all the potential that God has got for you. And I hear people say, but it's not fair. No, it may not be fair. Life's not fair. Get over it. God is saying, guys, take your eyes off the dot that is an insignificant event that occurred years ago and look and focus on all of the potential that is still available to you. A few weeks ago, I asked a small group that Liz and I run um, on a uh, um, Wednesday night. I, I said this, I, I asked them. So I want, I'm going to say some words to you and I want you to think of the first thing, or the first word or picture that comes into your mind. I'm going to ask you the same question. So are you ready? What do you think of immediately? What do you think of when I say the world? Now, many people in our small group said they saw a picture of the world. You know, like something like out of, you know, the blue planet, you know, it zooms out and you've got this beautiful picture. Did anybody else get that picture? Yeah? Quite a few people. Somebody else said, I saw brokenness, sadness, a mess. Would anybody agree with that? Anybody, yeah, oh, quite, yeah, quite a lot of people there. But the majority of people had a big picture in the world. When I said the world, they had this big picture. Sort of like, you know, large. Now let me ask you this question. What do you think of immediately comes to mind when I say your world? Your world. What's that picture now? Has it changed from this big picture? Because many people in our small group all of a sudden came back and said, I think of family, I think of friends, I think of work. So all of a sudden the focus from changing the to your has changed it's changed our focus, it's changed our thought processes. Do we see the focus shift again when I say, what do you say when I say, what do you think of when I say, our world? What do you think of then? So we've got the world, your world, our world. Do we see our focus shift again from just being, uh, from not just being involved in our personal life to being open to see the potential that there is when we work together in something, towards something? When I say our world, are we refocusing uh, and buying into something, a joint experience where together we can move into the more of God, where we can experience the full potential that God has for us? Do you find that term our world frightening? Or exciting. I find it incredibly exciting. I know our world can be impacted by what we say and what we do together. 
Listen to me. Never, ever underestimate what effect you can have on our world. The prayers we say, the actions we do may seem to you small and insignificant. Like a drop, dropping a stone in the ocean. But I believe the ripples we make in our world increase in the heavenly realm until they break down the spiritual dark forces like a tsunami crashing onto the shore. Never believe the lie of the enemy when he whispers, your prayers are futile. Your kind deeds mean nothing. Never listen to that lie. Where's in our early morning prayer session on upper zoom he, he mentioned something in his prayer that, that really struck a chord with me Wes you were talking about um, Billy Graham I don't know if you know the story Billy Graham was a great evangelist and people have said people on his staff have said that they believe that he has given the opportunity for people to be saved and they've seized that opportunity of 3.2 million people so he's preached the word, and people have responded, 3.2 million. And how did he get to that point? Because one night, one of his friends said, there's a preacher, a local preacher, would you like to come and listen to him? And he says, no, I'm not bothered, thanks. I'm not really interested. And this young guy says, you can drive my truck if you want. And so Billy Graham says, yeah, all right then. If I can get to drive the truck... I'll go. And he went. This guy just dropped a little, little pebble, boom, plop, into the ocean. You can drive my truck. And Billy Graham went. And that night, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And the rest, as they say, is history. Just that small, small act changed the lives of 3.2 million people. In the book of John, chapter 17, Jesus is praying for himself. Jesus is praying to God the Father, Abba, Father. I am reading from the message version of the Bible, a modern translation, and the Spirit says this. Now I'm returning to you. I'm saying these things in the world's hearing so my people can experience my joy completed in them. I gave them your word. The godless world hated them because of it, because they didn't join the world's way, just as I didn't join the world's way. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you guard them from the evil one. They are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. Make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word is consecrating truth. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. I'm consecrating myself for their sake so there'll be truth consecrated in their mission. So here we have Jesus in prayer talking to Abba Father, basically explaining that although we are living in the world, we are not to be of this world. Our mindset should be different from the competitive, dog-eat-dog, backstabbing, grab-what-you-can mindset of the world. Many people are living in a perpetual state of overload, stretching themselves to the limit. As a result, they're on the verge of collapse. Even the atmosphere, the world seems to be charged with all kinds of stress, pressure, discouragement, negativity. But because of his word, because of his agape love, we don't have to operate by the world system. Our attitude and approach should be entirely different. We need to understand that when Jesus accomplished, what Jesus accomplished on that cross at Calvary, deprived the world of its power to harm us. 
because we are in Christ, we are able to approach such challenges with a firmness, a calmness, a steadfastness, because I know that I know that I know that I stand on the word of God and his love is all encompassing. I find that this intimate prayer that Jesus is having with his father is amazing. Just think about that for a second. Jesus saying up a prayer to the Godhead, to the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, together in prayer for us. They are praying for us that when we go on mission, wow, how intimate is that? How special is that? It's in the dialogue, privacy of the Godhead in prayer. That's why we go and grow to love and serve our world. Great commission that Jesus sent to his disciples. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is us. This is what we are called to do. Isn't it time we took back ownership of our world, our rightful inheritance that was swindled from us? So how does that encourage us to look at our world with a different focus? Time is quickly, quickly. So I'm going to do this very quick. So normally I'm, I'm talking about broad brush strokes, so please forgive me that. Just give, allow me a little preacher's license. But many people live in like four Circles, or what we would call bubbles. We're, we're familiar with bubbles now, aren't we? So we have our social life, our work life, our family life, and because we are here this morning, our church life. Now, many people live in a very close, tight circle. So their work life, their family life, their church life can be quite tight. And sometimes if we focus on our work life to the detriment of our social life and our family life, we're a workaholic, we're working all hours just to get that position, just to get that power, just to get that, that finance, I've got to get the latest car, I've got to have the, 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 the biggest house. And sometimes we focus on that and we miss out on the potential that God has for us, got for us. But when we understand that we've got this agape love in us, what we should be doing is, is widening our circles. So our social life interacts with our family life, our work life interacts with our family life, and our church life, and our social life. So everything, and here's what I call the sweet spot there. Where it all comes together. And if we can live in that, where we know that we are affecting our world because Jesus Christ is at the centre of it all. You know? Do not worry, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So when we put our God, when we put God as our priority, he helps us to shift the focus from the small, from the slightly bigger, 
into this largeness that God wants for us to live in. That we can affect our world. If everybody lives like this, can you imagine what effect we would have on our community? Does this mean that we all have to leave our homes and become missionaries in China or Africa? No. For some it may be the case, but for the majority, no. It does mean that we have to be intentional in our daily walk with Jesus to listen and talk with him. That when we see an opportunity to show the world how agape love is manifested, we take that opportunity. It may just be giving somebody time to talk. It may be helping someone in a practical way, handing a food parcel out, inviting them to the Christmas carol service or whatever. And you just never know. Plop. That small stone, that small act, that small prayer, the ripple effect that that will have on people's lives. It's not about doing stuff you know, because you feel condemned if you don't do it, or you feel bullied into it. I hope you will never, ever feel that at Arena Church, that you feel bullied into doing stuff, or you want to do it to get brownie points from the church leadership. That is not what we're about. We do it because we love Jesus Christ. We can be God's hands and feet. We can be God's compassion. We can go and grow and love and serve our world. That is our prayer-fueled mission. That is our purpose and destiny. We need church. This is us. Let's go. Let's grow. Let's love and serve our world. Let's take it back from the enemy. Let's go on the march and take it back. Let's begin to pray. Let's begin to just get connected. Let's expand our vision that God has got for us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Would everybody just... Um... Could everybody just bow their heads just for a few moments? Let's just, just pray. I just want to give people a sense of privacy this morning. I know I've, I've, I've quoted a lot, a lot of scripture, and, but I just get a sense this morning that there are some people here that want to do real business with God. So I just want to uh, just ask that this morning, if, if you've heard something I've said this morning, or if you've been on a journey and you want to know more about God, and you want to say, yes, Lord, I don't want to live in that lawlessness, but I want to live in your kingdom rule, because I know that you've got the best for me. Now I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up and I'm going to pray for you. So right now, thanks guys, I can see your hands. You put your hands down, thank you. Anybody else this morning who wants to say, yeah, this morning I am ready to follow Jesus. This morning I just want to give my life. Just a few more seconds. Is anybody else? Don't miss out on this opportunity this morning. God wants to do something. Father, I thank you that you are willing to come to us this morning and give us fresh hope. I thank you that your agape love for us never grows cold, never falters or wavers. Thank you that you are always with us as we step out into this broken world to show people your unconditional love. I pray for the, the two guys here, Lord, who have responded to your call this morning. God, I pray that you'll be with them. You'll protect them. You will guide them. Shower them with your provision and your love. 
in Jesus' name, pray. Amen.